The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Buzz Burbank, news and comment. Monday, October 31st, 2016. From the one-man worldwide newsroom, this is free and independent news on a commercial-free Monday made possible when you support the shows and sponsors at buzzburbank.com. First, this. The U.S. economy is finally really growing after the weakest growth in 70 years. A report just out says our gross domestic product was up nearly 3% in the third quarter of this year, July, August, and September. It's more growth than experts expected and nearly twice the growth in the second quarter. It's the fastest growth rate seen in two years thanks to more consumer spending and more exports. The numbers favor Hillary Clinton, who's promised to continue and expand upon the policies of President Obama. It was an odd thing to happen even in the nation's oddest presidential campaign. It was odd that the FBI would buck the attorney general and essentially reopen the Clinton email investigation on Friday, 11 days before an election in which 21 million of us have already voted. It was odd that the FBI director say investigators would take a look at some newly discovered emails that may not be new. They could be duplicates of ones previously examined. The FBI hasn't said. Although FBI Chief James Comey says the emails might be pertinent to the investigation, he won't say how, and he admits they may not reveal anything. Most importantly, the FBI has said it has these emails, but won't say what they contain. Hillary Clinton calls it deeply troubling, and she's calling on Comey to put all his cards on the table, something the FBI doesn't normally do during an active investigation. But it also doesn't normally leak information that could affect an election that'll be decided by the undecided, because it has a policy against that. Like the election, there's nothing ordinary about this investigation, and the pressure is growing on Comey to put his evidence where his mouth is. Also odd is that these emails were not exposed by WikiLeaks, whose founder admitted he's out to hurt Clinton. These emails came to light as the FBI investigates the latest sexting scandal of Anthony Weiner, a former congressman accused of chatting up a 15-year-old girl across state lines. Weiner is also the estranged husband of Clinton aide Huma Abedin, although contrary to earlier reports, the device on which they were found was not shared by his wife. Still, they are work-related emails to or from Huma Abedin. Also unusual, Hillary Clinton on the offense against the email investigation. Up till now, she's commented little and defensively. Her campaign manager says there is no evidence of wrongdoing based on what little we've been told by the FBI. There is, he says, in fact, no evidence the emails even involve Mrs. Clinton. The FBI director made this partial revelation even after his boss, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, had declared the case closed, even after he'd been instructed not to release this partial information at such a critical time. And officials close to Lynch say Comey violated the Justice Department's policy of not investigating cases that could help or hurt a candidate. And even if Clinton wins, her victory would come in the midst of an investigation. A cloud of suspicion would hang over her White House because Republicans in Congress have promised to keep their investigations going. And Comey would still be the FBI director if Clinton takes office. It's a 10-year gig. But this latest non-revelation threatens to keep Clinton out of the White House. A Washington Post-ABC News poll shows Clinton's lead shrinking to just 1%, well within the margin of error, in just 36 hours after this latest revelation, non-revelation. 
Trump is taking advantage of the opportunity to bash Clinton, calling this, whatever it is, the biggest corruption scandal since Watergate. And if he can stay on that message and keep himself out of trouble, this may once again be a close election one week from tomorrow. At rallies over the weekend, the Trump crowd was again chanting, lock her up. But can the candidate stay focused? Over the weekend, even after the email story broke, Trump was again talking about voter fraud. The only significant arrest for voter fraud over the weekend was of an election worker in Iowa busted for voting twice. For Trump, when no charges were filed against Clinton, Trump and the other Republicans said the FBI investigation was rigged. They're feeling pretty good about that investigation now. None of this means anything to the majority of voters who've already voted for or decided to vote for Clinton or Trump. But the polls show the news is affecting some undecided voters, pushing them into the Trump camp. It also serves to make Clinton supporters less enthusiastic about voting and Trump supporters more enthusiastic. Clinton's big lead of just last week has vanished. Early voting's underway in 30 of our 50 states. For a campaign that's been full of surprises, this October's surprise comes during the election. That's why the Clinton campaign and others are calling on the FBI to share what it has now without further delay. And now Senate Democratic leader Harry Reid has warned Director Comey he may have broken the law violating the Hatch Act, which bans government officials from using their authority to sway an election. The Oklahoma fugitive on the run from police for a week has been killed by police in a shootout. Michael Vance escaped from jail where he was being held on suspicion of child molestation. During his flight, he killed and tried to dismember two members of his family, wounded two police officers, and wounded a woman whose car he'd hijacked. He was armed with an AK-47-type rifle and was infected with the AIDS virus, raising fears he might have used his disease as a weapon. Also during his flight, he posted live videos to Facebook. A third officer was wounded in that final shootout with Vance, which took place last night in Oklahoma. Large, billowing clouds of black smoke poured out of an American Airlines jet in Chicago as it was trying to take off for Miami. It had blown a tire during a takeoff that was aborted, but the pilots also reported engine trouble. The Chicago Fire Department tweeted, Emergency! Aircraft down at O'Hare! Emergency responders turned out in droves, some remembering that nearly four decades ago, 273 people died at O'Hare in the deadliest crash in U.S. aviation history. That crash was caused by poor maintenance by the same airline involved in this incident. In this case, all 170 people on board evacuated safely down the slides on the plane's left side as smoke poured out of the right side. No one was even injured. The incident's being investigated, of course. We now know that troubled engine had actually exploded, and a chunk of that engine was hurled more than a half mile by the blast the engine piece was found in a UPS warehouse 10 football fields away. No injuries there either. $262 million in stolen money will now be returned to its rightful owners. It's $262 million stolen by a now-dead partner of Bernie Madoff. Stanley Chase, Madoff's money manager, denied knowing anything about Madoff's Ponzi scheme, saying he'd been cheated too, despite the many lawsuits against Chase. Now, six years after his death, after four years of negotiation, Chase's estate has agreed to settle those lawsuits by repaying the cheated investors the $262 million. Chase's estate's also agreed to pay $15 million to the California Attorney General's office. Madoff pleaded guilty and will spend the rest of his life behind bars. You can't take it with you, 
to prison or the grave. After a sheriff's deputy in western Wisconsin radioed he had located the suspicious vehicle he'd been sent to investigate, that was the last anyone heard from him. Deputy Ron Glaze, at 33 years of age, was later found shot to death at that location in a field. He had been with the department 18 months. A suspect surrendered and was arrested after a shootout with other deputies. In the Louisville, Kentucky area, a police officer was one of two people killed over the weekend by an alleged drunk driver. The officer's wife is pregnant with their second child. A week ago today, a brave police officer walked in to meet the Fairbanks, Alaska City Council, which wanted to honor his courageous service to the community. A week before that, 34-year-old Alan Brandt answered the call of shots fired downtown. A pedestrian jumped in front of him and opened fire. The officer was struck five times in the legs and once in the chest. The bullet that hit his body armor ricocheted into his eye. When he met with the city council one week later, he said to them, Can you believe I walked into this room? Four days after that, late last week, Sergeant Brandt died from complications in the surgery to remove that bullet from his eye. The alleged shooter was already in custody, but his charges are being upgraded now. Officer Brandt leaves behind a wife and four kids. After reading them a bedtime story, Brandt reportedly told his family two weeks ago, I think I'm going to get shot tonight. Later, he'd say that during the gunfight, that prediction was all he could think about. The tension between the U.S. and Russia ticked up another notch over the weekend when a Russian fighter jet flew dangerously close to an American plane over eastern Syria. It happened in the middle of the night nearly two weeks ago as the Russian jet escorted a U.S. surveillance plane through that airspace. U.S. officials say the Russian pilot probably couldn't see the American plane in the dark and got within a half mile of our plane. Quoting one official, it was close enough you could feel the jet wash of the plane passing by. These close calls with the Russians now occur about every 10 days. But quoting an Air Force general, this one got our attention. We called the Russians about it and made sure they knew we were concerned. Rules for the rooms we use to empty our bowels and bladders will now be discussed by the highest court in the land. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case about transgender restroom rights. It's the case of 17-year-old Gavin Grimm, born female, identifying, and living male. He's been blocked from using the male restrooms at his high school in Virginia, and he's suing to get that policy changed. A lower court's ruled in Gavin's favor, but school officials filed an appeal. Until that appeal is decided, the Supreme Court put the lower court's ruling on hold, keeping Gavin locked out of the boys' room. The high court has now agreed to take up the case. If it rules against Gavin, that's the law for now, and a majority win is not likely. If the court's vote is a tie, his case is won, but without helping transgender students in other locations, including North Carolina, which has a statewide ban on transgenders using the facilities of their identities. North Carolina is one of 23 states challenging instructions from the federal government to allow students in public schools to use the restroom of their gender identity. In the event the justices vote to a tie, the lower court ruling stands, meaning Gavin, and only Gavin, has won. And a tie is still possible since Congress has failed its constitutional obligation to fill a vacancy that's existed for the better part of a year. Our short-staffed Supreme Court says it will take up Gavin's case in July, a couple of months after he's graduated. For ruining his life, Penn State University has to pay former assistant football coach Mike McQuarrie $7.3 million, and it may have to pay him even more. 
McQuarrie worked alongside child molester Jerry Sandusky and was ostracized by Penn State for reporting what he witnessed 15 years ago. McQuarrie told head coach Joe Paterno he'd seen Sandusky sexually assaulting a younger boy in the team showers. For reporting that crime, Penn State fired McQuarrie, making it impossible for him to find work for the rest of his career and damaging his personal life. Penn State has now paid over $93 million to settle this and other lawsuits, including nearly three dozen suits from men who say they were, in their youth, molested by assistant coach Jerry Sandusky. Sandusky is now serving effectively a life sentence after being found guilty of sexually abusing at least 10 boys he was supposed to have mentored. It took him a couple of weeks to get around to it, but Bob Dylan has finally commented on winning this year's Nobel Peace Prize for Literature. The poetry singer says he was literally speechless on hearing the news. He calls it amazing, incredible, and hard to believe. Who, asked Dylan, ever dreams about something like that? I appreciate the honor so much, he added. Dylan says he'll be at the December 10th ceremony at which the award will be officially bestowed, if at all possible. There'd been concern he might not show, and because of his eccentric nature, might not even acknowledge he'd won. There was even talk of withdrawing the prize if he didn't claim it. Dylan has now humbly acknowledged his Nobel Prize and has publicly thanked the Swiss Academy for it. The Germans are not laughing, and while many might declare that not news, the rest of the world may agree with Germany in this case. German police are on high alert tonight, making sure no one's wearing a creepy clown costume for Halloween. Sales of creepy clown costumes and masks were banned in Germany this season after a worldwide rash of creepy clown sightings and attacks. They began two months ago in South Carolina and spread across the country and throughout Europe thanks to social media. And finally, thanks to Superman and the many westerns on TV, American children of the 1960s grew up convinced one of the greatest dangers they'd face is quicksand. It wasn't, but such was the power of TV. Quicksand is sand that's suspended in water in a way that makes it appear to be solid ground, when in fact it sucks in anything that falls or steps upon it. It was a popular crutch for adventure show writers a few decades ago, and the prospect of stepping in some, no matter how rare, was terrifying. Dateline Yunqing, China, where firefighters were called in to help a 17-year-old who found himself up to his neck in quicksand. In the movies, quicksand victims were rescued if they were good guys and perished in it if they were bad guys. This young man was rescued, which theoretically would look good on his resume. Buzz Burbank, thank you for listening. And thanks for supporting the shows and sponsors at buzzburbank.com. I'll be back tomorrow with another Buzz Burbank news and comments. The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network.